imagine if sometime we clap synced and just dove right into the podcast and didn't have like 20 hey more girls, minutes guys, of otherwise this is Jonathan O'Roselian. <laughs> and I'm Noah, also known as Polyphonic, <laughs> and you're watching or <laughs> listening to uh Horns and Wings, the podcast where we read saga one issue at a time. Flawless. Uh, we're doing episode. We're doing episode sixteen. That is about issue sixteen today, and uh, I'm gonna call it now. Just judging from this cold open, this is no, no pressure. No pressure at all up front. This is gonna be the best episode we ever do. Just throughout the series. So, so really revel in it. Enjoy it because it's all downhill from here. Let's dive into it. <laughs> Oh, I'm pumped for it. Uh, hey, Noah, I have, yep. I have, I have some, some business uh, to discuss, some, some serious oh. business here. Oh, saga business. Or, yeah, okay. uh, and I hate, <laughs> I hate to, uh, uh, to bring up any, I can't call it a negative review, but we got, we got a measly four stars instead of five stars on a review on... Uh, Who? I'll find them. I know where you sleep. <laughs> uh, it is so it, fun fact. It is v- such a pain in the ass to bring up Apple reviews on an Android phone for some reason. Uh, but but someone who will go unnamed and is a fan of the show did point out that they claim they claim every episode we've done this. <laughs> Boy, I'm really calling someone out right now. Every episode we have apparently um, pointed out something and given a wink, wink, nod, nod to something that will come into play in a future issue, even though we say no spoilers. So this is my challenge to us, Noah, uh, and it's to spoil the rest of the goddamn series <laughs> for this one person. No, this it's Snape kills Alana. <laughs> Uh, it is. I'm gonna. I'm gonna be a little more conscious of uh, of it's not pointing things out that will become significant. But also, I think we've done a very good job. I thought you were editing all those out in post. I. That's on you. <laughs> Goff. Uh, I. I. We've. We've done a very. Uh, I think we've done a good job of like not giving away. Like when you thought Lion Cat was dead, we sold that with my amazing acting skills. With your amazing acting skills. And I think there's a ton of stuff that we've we've avoided uh, uh, spoiling, and it was very painful. And I have edited out a lot of stuff, but we're not doing good enough, Noah. Thank you for the four star review. All right, we'll up our game. We will. You know what? For you, unnamed unnamed reviewer, I will up my game and and really really buckle down on the no spoilers rule this sounds like i'm being sarcastic but i'm actually trying to be sincere <laughs> oh and, and heads up this is the last time we will ever heed we're only gonna listen to five star reviews from now on uh and and for every lower one we get we will drop a major spoiler <laughs> them's the breaks man uh hey i love this cover oh i this was a good cover it's 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 a great cover it's a bit of a different cover uh but it's fantastic mm-hmm. What are we looking at here, Noah? We're looking at our friends who have been framing this whole arc, Upshur and Doff. Um, mm-hmm. And they appear to be kind of in a nebulous war zone, maybe, with, like, mm-hmm. 
giant flowers behind them that also kind of look like explosions. They've got gunfire coming at them. They're standing in a puddle. Uh, Upshur is speaking into a recording device and holding a helmet that says, please do not kill in homage uh-huh. to, to Full Metal Jacket. Again, the born to kill. Yeah, he, he manages to sneak in these pop culture references. Um, and and Doff is busy taking a photo of something. The palette is beautiful. It's a, on a deep blue background. We've got these vibrant oranges and reds and then greens all in the foreground. It's just a really, really dynamic cover. I just noticed something on this, too. Uh, the the strap, the lanyard thing on the, uh, the oh, yeah. camera says uh, says Ico on it. The uh, the producer of these eye cameras. Is it Ico or Igo? Uh, both. All right. I alien word. Yeah. Could be either. Yeah. Could be either. Greatest episode ever. Uh, <laughs> this is a good. This is a good. I love. I love the because uh, it's like yeah these like glowing orange plants behind them that are growing upwards and look like an explosion. It is such a cool little touch on this. And then, and then we turn the page and we get probably the most beautiful opening splash of the series. (laughs) If you love taint, (laughs) which we all do. (laughs) It's great. Uh, We got, we got, uh, Hey, I'll take this first one. No, all right. Don't worry You've definitely it. plotted this out because there's a scene that you want later on, isn't there? Not even remotely. I just want to talk about this taint. So we get <laughs> we get a, a gorgeous eyeful of uh, Special Agent Gale in full running or I guess flying gear, uh, exercise gear. Uh, and it looks like he's about to land on us and he's looking down. And he says no comment. Uh, and we turn the page to see that it is atop a, a building, I'm guessing, on uh, Landfall. And we see Upshur and Doff stirring the issue out, like every other issue. And they they say that they they uh, this is a public landing landing platform. What do they call it? Yeah. Landing pad. Landing pad. Uh, and that that they uh, want to come in and talk about a certain photo, and they have a photo of Alana, uh, and you can see her wedding ring on it. It seems like a security cam photo. Special Agent Gale quickly has them come in, and he pops that shirt off. Ooh, mama. Spicy. Spicy shirt action. And uh, he's he says... He he does something that I absolutely love here, and he says that uh, she's not a deserter of the army; she's a spy, maybe the best we've ever had. He says, and that 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 is she's she's deep undercover. Then he talks about how uh, the Moonies apparently have attacked a Jetsum, have done some damage to Jetsum, the uh, the planet where Upshur and Doff are from. Upshur and Doff say that. They still, despite who's attacked them, they still uh, uh, appreciate truth over anything else on their planet. And Special Agent Gale points out, right, you people are so much more principled than the awful warmongers you feed off of, as long as you happen to be part of Jetsum's heterosexual population, of course. And notes that 
it could be career ending if it were to get out that someone who knows who uh was was uh was homosexual and he tells them to please consider all the things he said uh before writing any articles uh and has them leave the apartment and as he's closing the door he calls our good friend seahorse desk man (laughs) on the island beach and uh and says he needs a rush job uh, and get his uh even though they generally don't do journalists that have freelancers kill journalists he's he's gonna pay quote uh super rate for for both upshur and doff to get killed uh and the the seahorse man says that unfortunately they can't send their best man because he has not been returning their calls in reference to the will and he's looking at the will's uh emergency contact list in his file and it says mother and then crossed out and then uncle steve <laughs> and crossed out and then the brand in in parentheses only in case of death and uh seahorse says but i can get you a close second i'm guessing in reference to this brand uh and that's the end of that scene and i love this scene so there's a lot of wonderful things about this scene but there's also something Mm -hmm. that i want to bring up that i'm not super comfortable with in this scene uh Mm -hmm. which is that gail drops an f-bomb and not fuck yeah and, and bad F. Yeah, yeah, and I don't, I don't think it's entirely necessary or particularly earned there. No. So yeah, I just want to. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I, I'm going to say this was what 2013, and I yeah. will say thinking back, and this is not an excuse for it, but I will say thinking back that we were as a collective significantly less conscious about yeah. these things. Uh, yeah, you will see like the uh, the r word in some of these comics too and like just a lot of a lot of uh very dated things and i mean even go back to runaways uh and there's still it's one of those it's one of those uh sort of downfalls of of being a quote-unquote edgy comic and pushing boundaries at the time yeah also it's just like uh, and it's you know and it's also coming from a super shitty character yeah I, I I think th- I think that that's I, it's definitely coming from someone who is supposed to be a douchebag. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I feel I feel iffy about this one. It feels like that's like I, I don't have issues. I don't think that you shouldn't be able to use these words if it actually like contributes to the story that you're telling. But mm-hmm. I don't really know how much it serves uh, in this context. And I think you're completely right in that it was a different time, but I think it's worth reflecting on these things. And especially because like, like, like this is one of the first moments in saga where I'm like, Ooh, that hasn't aged great, which is, which is a rarity in, in fiction. That's uh, closing in on a decade old. Yeah. Well, we haven't even gotten to the character that's named. uh, It's one of the freelancers named the N word. It's not even like that's it's literally the N word is the name of the character. And I'm just really confused by it. But, you know, some things just don't age well, I guess. Uh, in case in case on our spoiler watch, that is a joke. That is not an actual spoiler. Please. Five stars. Five stars. Not four. We didn't spoil the N word freelancer. Uh, no, this is. Yeah, it, it didn't age well. And it, it made me go. oof. Yeah. <laughs> 
but now that that's out of the way, what, Noah, do you do you see anything special about the about Special Agent Gale's outfit here? I do. I see two special things. <laughs> Them balls. Well, actually, one I don't specifically see in this shot. I see later on. But the thing that I see special in this shot is that is the same logo mm-hmm. as Isabel's shirt, is it not? It is. Uh, and it's that sort of flaming winged heart, uh, which it makes sense because also Gail, remember, has bat wings in his and it seems like he's going through a perpetual emo douchebag phase, if that's possible. It's it's not even like emo, though, because he's like he's got he's got the like bleach blonde hair and the pink mm-hmm. shoes. It's I forget. There's there's definitely a movement that is part of, but I don't know the name of it. But it's like the the post emo douchebag. Right. Right. I You know, what? I'm confused about. Okay, that makes sense. You know, what I was going to point out, which I, I, I appreciate and just now realize that the shirt in the back seems to like sort of strap up or button up. Yeah, that's the other thing I noticed. <laughs> oh, yeah, I just noticed that. And I was like, that's weird. What what happened to this shirt? But it's because he has wings. Yeah. And you have to have that. Yeah. Also, are his shoes the shoes from Back to the Future? Because they look pretty close to that. <laughs> Not quite. But but yeah, they're. They're running shoes, which is hilarious to me because he's clearly just flying. <laughs> I also just love seeing in this opening shot, the background, you've got all these different people just kind of flying around like like you're mm-hmm. you're getting a, a view of urban life on landfall where yeah. people just like fly from place to place casually. And people have, as we see, landing pads outside of their house. Yeah. Yeah. Which is great. That's how you get to your penthouse apartment is yeah. on your landing pad. Uh, yeah. And also, you know, what? here's here's a question I want to propose to you. Is it possible that this is Isabel's shirt? Is it possible? That is my question. That... Because she's dead. It could have been gotten from. But her shirt is a different color. Yeah, but here's the thing. All of her is a different color because she's a ghost and everything is, is That's a true. shade of pink. Uh, and also, you can it, looking at the sleeves, you can tell that the sleeves have been ripped off like this has been turned into a. Uh, yeah, maybe here you can you can spin one of your wild conspiracy theories <laughs> about this shirt. Yeah. So I'm going to say, and also that's, that's who, uh, that's one of the people who are, you know, fighting on her planet. So it's very possible that he just found a dope shirt from a corpse. (laughs) In the meantime, I'm going to look at another little fun Easter egg in this scene. Uh, do you notice anything about the, the picture of Alana there? Yeah. So, so we see her reaching out and grabbing something and that's why we get a good look at her wedding ring. But what she's grabbing is her signature cape jacket her tan jacket uh and this is her stealing it off of a clothing line which is yeah rad. that's fun and it's like yeah it's just like a nice little one panel origin story for this little outfit yeah. of hers i love it i think the other thing i like in this scene is we're starting to see a lot more of upshur in action and kind of seeing how he asks his questions and how he does kind of the the journalist trope of like, I don't even know how to describe it, like insinuating that 
someone will be in trouble if they don't answer the questions and kind of right. le- like like you know how a lot of journalists in in media and and real journalists don't actually tend to look like this we'll we'll talk mm-hmm. about depictions of journalists and media someday because mm-hmm. i have a lot of thoughts on that speaking as someone who was trained as a journalist uh-huh. um but but like the they're very much he's very much the and i mean it's i it's fitting that he's got the the full metal jacket. Noah, Noah, just just say it. Not all journalists are blue amphibious <laughs> creatures, which I know has been rampant in pop culture for years and years. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I agree. It needs to stop. <laughs> but but yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's. I think we're really starting to get a sense of uh, Upshur and kind of kind of the Upshur and Doff dynamic of the. The the uh, ambitious, uh, intuitive journalist and his uh, trusty, silent cameraman. Mm-hmm. So I have a really big question about this scene, too, before we move on. Mm-hmm. Who's Uncle Steve? What's his story? What's his deal? I'm not allowed to say. Can we get an Uncle Steve origin story? <laughs> no. We can't risk it. <laughs> I, I need my stars I need my, I need my apple stars <laughs> I don't know but I like I like how I feel like that is just a nice little like explain a thing about the will of his father is not an emergency contact yeah because he seems like the type that had a had a had a rough childhood perhaps also know. also his mother and uncle are out of the picture in one way or another yeah that's a good touch this is, this is there's so much yeah there's so much world building and and just fun little like I love those scenes that are just like give me little little candy treats of of knowledge yeah. along the way yeah it's, yeah it's a it's, blast. it's like et <laughs> and it's and I and I especially appreciate it because I can pretty much promise you that ninety percent of the stuff we talked about I did not notice on any other reading of this yeah even like yeah in, yeah this this comic rewards it's so funny because this is the most readable like breeze through comic ever and it 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 rewards uh like deeper readings so much this issue in particular is just loaded with like little easter eggs speaking of which let's turn to the next page and here we have a sudden shift in tone we've got this like so this is three panels and it's in black and white and the shading is like a lot more dramatic. It's clearly a different style uh, than Saga. And we have some beautiful lettering. Uh, we've got a little bumblebee person or b- person wearing a bumblebee costume. Unclear which um, mm-hmm. saying show yourself. And then. Uh, narration says and the terrible odendron did and this giant fucking crazy thing pops out of like a, a, a mario sewer Looks pipe like a, yeah a mario pipe yeah yeah and says we get this narration you may have crossed the street all by yourself little boy but you forgot to hold on to something very important and midway <laughs> through that uh we cut uh, the it, it cuts from the narration of this story, and you realize this is Oswald Heist reading a story to the little lump of Hazel sitting on his lap. Uh, we get our uh, Hazel narration saying, it wasn't exactly action-packed, but if most of your childhood didn't look exactly like this, I feel sorry for you. And we see they're in the lighthouse. 
everyone's kind of sitting around reading books and newspapers, just kind of chilling, and it's it looks cozy. Upon hearing the story that Heist is reading, Marco says, isn't that a little dark for Hazel? And then everyone else has their input. Um, Clara says that they read way harsher stories to Marco. Isabel says that she learned the alphabet from one of her parents' guerrilla training manuals. <laughs> um, and then, and then uh, Oswald Heist uh, gives a little mini lecture on the hero's journey. He talks about the hero's journey, and he says what it really learns is uh, break the rules as often as you can, because who the hell doesn't want to have an adventure? So then Alana asks if he loves kids' books, why hasn't he written one? And Oswald Heiss says he doesn't like artists, and it requires collaborating with an artist and his old uh, partner, uh, his second wife, called Yuma, was an artist um, and also certifiably insane. And he says that she works in the open circuit these days uh, doing set painting. And we kind of get people talking about the open circuit, which in this context just kind of seems to be like like TV, a TV network, maybe. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that's kind of the that's kind of the scene, a little scene just more kind of just talking about character development and setting some stuff up. Uh, Noah, I need to get into this immediately. Yeah. Take you on a little journey here. Yeah. Um, so like you mentioned, we have that, that open, which is, we didn't get the, this is a great transition. I like that. We, we didn't get just the straight up planet transition. Yeah. Uh, we had the very, uh, purposefully, uh, confusing, uh, get you get you out of your chair a bit uh transition to just black and white and in way more painted we we see painted characters for the first time not on a cover uh because it is an illustrated children's book and i also love that the panels are about the same size too as if i i also just i adore the lettering in this children's book i am i am yeah all about these kinds of fonts it's like it's it looks like almost like a like a, a garamond font maybe um mm-hmm. but looks super kind of like worn and printed yeah yeah it has that printing feel to it uh the little the little imperfections on it um but so as you pointed out this terrifying terrifying probably the scariest creature we've seen in this book so far the odendron is is coming out of this this pipe thing and i was like okay this has to be a reference to something so i looked up odendron and do you know what i found noah what i found phil odendron on facebook (laughs) (laughs) and and nothing else i was like there's got to be something there's got to be something more to this and then i started thinking about like what would odendron be and then i fucking figured it out Noah. and this is gonna blow your goddamn mind did you do some etymological detective work i know i use my brain for once in my goddamn life that is the closest to detective work i will do i googled philodendron and then, <laughs> and then i thought about it for for like four minutes straight just being like what the fuck is this uh and then i realized rhododendron is a plant yep and and Noah, where is this? Where is this thing coming out from? Oh my god! 
So as we as we discovered, this whole this is a terrifying children's story about holding someone's hand when you're crossing the road. And what, of course, is the most dangerous thing while crossing a road? The odendron, the road odendron, and that pipe is not a pipe; it's a plant pot. Oh, planted firmly on the road, and you see the petals around its head. Yeah, it's a giant, terrifying flower monster, and it's a road odendron. <laughs> so you know what? When D. Oswald Heiss says that children's uh, illustrated books are the one of the highest forms of art in the in the universe, uh, I'm starting to think he's right. Because this has so many goddamn layers to it. And I am so impressed. Also in the background, there appears to be people crucif- like crucified yeah, on in another pot. Implanted in pots. <laughs> this is exactly the kind of children's book that I would expect exists in the saga world. <laughs> I fucking, again, just like Nighttime Smoke. I want this to exist so bad. I would love to see uh, just a, an offshoot saga issue. Uh, Matt Fraction's Hawkeye did this great one where the whole issue is just uh, like a, a Christmas, a, a cartoon Christmas special that he falls asleep during. Oh, that's amazing. And it's like reflecting, it's reflecting his life and stuff because it's the dream version of the Christmas special. I would love to see the, the just a whole issue that one's for free, Brian. You can use that. A whole issue that's one of the children's books uh, following Weber, which I couldn't figure out anything for Weber. I think that's just a cute, a cute yeah. B name. It says there's B in it <laughs> if you spell it backwards. Uh, but yeah, no, it's it's fantastic. And I was so excited to, to figure that out. Fucking rhododendron. The other thing in this scene, Easter egg number like third, maybe of the of the mm-hmm. issue What's that uh what's that newspaper that Clara's reading oh. there? Do you want to take a crack at saying it, Noah? <laughs> it's the hebdomadal. Hey, you did it. Better than I, yep. As we learned last week, means weekly, and is also mm-hmm. the thing that Upshur and Doff write for. <laughs> Real good circulation. Yeah. I'm 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 impressed. I, I love how consistent that is with uh Heist's taste in things because it is clearly established that this is a bit of a, a rag. Like yeah. this is this is just tabloids, and that's what he's reading. He's great. The uh, I, I think in this scene and generally, I think this is we've we've brushed around this a little bit. But I think uh, heist any time that an author writes an author, um, mm-hmm. there is whether intentionally or not, there is definitely some kind of uh, insertion of self into it there. And I think you mm-hmm. see some of uh, Brian K. Vaughn's kind of ideas and sensibilities, especially in the speech about kind of the hero's journey in children's books. There's, there's definitely some self-insertion going on here now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 great, which like I will say, because we were we were a little critical of of Brian K. Vaughn uh on last week's episode, just with his whole like, uh, cre- don't don't be a consumer yeah, or a, a cr- creators or, are gonna save the world. Yeah, creators, and it's like it. I, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, that that's uh, pretty ham fisted, but also it's like, 
I 100% believe that too, or else I wouldn't be doing like what I do for a yeah. living. Yeah. And so it's one of those things where it's just like, I don't really want to be hypercritical of it. And it's, and it's a shitty position. Cause I'm sure that's why Brian K Vaughn does what he does too. And he sincerely believes this. And of course you're going to get the perspective of a creator for this book about, <laughs> you know, yeah. what's the answer to war creation. And, uh, and so, yeah, it, it leaves me in a weird spot where it's just like, it feels I, I don't know if it's like sincere criticism or it's just like my, you know, uh, my upbringing of be as like uh, self-humiliating at all yeah. times. Yeah. And how dare someone give any credence to what they're doing and take it seriously. But I will say one difference between Oswald Heist and Brian K. Vaughn. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian K. Vaughn has no issue collaborating with artists. <laughs> <laughs> I love that's such a good expression on uh Heist's face. Oh, he I says, know. He just he just looks me. terrified. <laughs> Speaking of artists, mm-hmm. can you open uh, can you open us up to this goddamn gorgeous panel that starts the next scene? Yes, so we get instead of an outside of uh Mount Tania. <laughs> Mount Tania. <laughs> Uh, we, we get a shot of the, uh, onion ship, uh, landed and we're getting a sunset with the, with the mountains casting shadows and it's fucking gorgeous. And, uh, and Gwendolyn is wandering through the woods with Lion Cat calling out for Sophie, uh, then takes a bite of a fruit, which we all know is a good thing. Uh, and then she hears a voice soon after that, uh, in blue, she turns around and uh we get uh a hard on <laughs> uh we get we get a reveal uh much like the uh the original stock reveal we get a reveal of a uh, horned woman with a unicorn horn uh and she is entirely naked and she has her pubic hair shaved into uh, a star uh, and she's holding a silver whip that matches her her carpet and drapes, let's say. <laughs> and she says something in blue here. Who knows what? Gwendolyn recognizes her, says Valor, and then says to Lion Cat, Cat, the person who took my virginity is standing before me. And Lion Cat, super confused, says, Lying? <laughs> and Gwendolyn says, uh, Fuck, we have to get back to the ship, and makes herself throw up. And when she throws up, Valor sort of just dissipates uh, the illusion of Valor. And, uh, and, she, and Gwendolyn says, I hate to think what your master is looking at. And that's the end of that scene. Hey, bisexual representation. Yeah, I'm digging it. Again, that's what, well, who was that? Uh, I don't know, someone who was connected to, I think, Star Wars uh, said that, how do you, oh, no, no, no. It was, it was uh, of course, Donald Glover in reference to uh, playing Lando and saying that, like, how do you not be pansexual in space when there's so yeah. many things to fuck? <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, and I appreciate it. But, yeah, no, this is the same species, same gender. Uh, and uh, one thing that I'm, I'm interested in, I don't know if you made this connection. I feel like it's a pretty easy one to make. Is the grooming routine? <laughs> yeah. Because that is a, a well-kept star pube. <laughs> she stole my bush. 
I'm furious about it. Uh, No, I love that. uh, What's interesting to me is that she has silver hair and a unicorn horn, uh, but is clearly a bit younger, probably around Gwendolyn's age, uh, and is named Valor. And if you remember to issue one, we met a higher up uh, for the the horns and uh, her she had silver hair and a unicorn horn and her name was Vez. So I'm yeah. thinking this might be offspring. And 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 it is and it is pretty established. It is pretty established that that Gwendolyn like has connections high up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. With Reef, like it's not like it's not like we've seen her just as like a random person. It's she's you know what part of a powerful family. I'm pretty sure. I think it was specifically Vez that, uh, or actually no no no, it was Gwendolyn that called uh, Seahorse Man and then ended up being there. But it was Seahorse Man was working with Vez and then apparently Vez yeah. sent Gwendolyn. So yeah, I like again this is just random little connection. That's cool. I also just. I love the names in Saga, and, like, Valour mm-hmm. is such a good name for this, like, mm-hmm. beautiful unicorn woman with a star bush. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. There's a, and there's a lot of, yeah, I appreciate there's a lot of those, like, cellar door names. Like. Yeah. It's it's not exactly describing what she is, but it it makes a lot of sense and it's a word that makes sense as a name too mm-hmm. right uh also god damn it i'm angry about this uh even the sun on mountania yep. is uh is yep. a mountain yep <laughs> we get a we get a like a pyramid sun uh which is i think that's the first time we see that or we just weren't paying attention before but that's that's really cool i think i a, a thing i want to talk about here is we get um wait okay i'm sorry give me four stars spoiler incoming there's more nudity to come in saga (laughs) fucking down to three stars um and and we've gotten plenty of nudity already and i think it's oh two stars i think it's (laughs) i think it's really uh i think it's really cool um uh that uh, we've got a female artist drawing a lot of these women's bodies because, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I'm not a woman, so I can't exactly speak to this. Uh, and it's still clearly like full frontal nudity, but it it just it doesn't feel quite as like kind of um, comically sexualized as a right. lot of men's comics. Yeah, this this doesn't feel uh uh Rob Leefield esque. <laughs> yeah. This doesn't feel uh specifically constructed for the the male gaze. Yeah. Like, this is this there's some like we we see folds that we generally do not see. Yeah. And and I mean it's it's easy for me as a male to sit here and say that. Um so I don't really know, but I think it's I think I, I think I would feel a lot less comfortable with some of the stuff in Saga if it was drawn by a man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I feel like that applies to so many things with comics anymore yeah. for me, though. Uh, yeah. But yeah, no, it's 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 uh, there is there's a, an honesty. And also, like, it's still I like that it's still clearly sexual 
but it is but it is yeah it's not it is not even remotely traditionally sexual yeah i think is the the thing here which is rad hey do you want to know what she's saying in blue yes uh so when she first gets her attention off panel i'm guessing she, she says, says gwendolyn my love she says gwendolyn my love oh, uh yes. in her and splash then, page uh-huh. um my maltrifus vintium Mm-hmm. Is that is that what she yep, says? That's what she says. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she says my mattress is vintium. Uh, yeah, she says I missed you so much. Uh, and then next panel, she says, "Sweetheart, we can finally be happy here," which is a nice little like sort of. It seems like there it was a well. I mean, if she's if she's sleeping with her boss's daughter, that adds up. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and then when she starts to make herself throw up, uh, Valar says, please, you have to believe me, pleading for her life. Uh, so, yeah, I like that. I like that. We can finally be happy here. Uh, so a nice little touch. Yeah. Here's my question is, I mean, mm-hmm. would it be that bad to stay on the hallucination planet <laughs> with a hallucination between it doesn't it doesn't always seem to be sexual partners, but it seems to be someone you love. Um, because Sophie saw her mother, uh, would it be that bad to stay with a hallucination of someone you love and just like live on this gorgeous planet? I love this question because I remember, uh, I think it was just a general like intro to ethics or something class that I took in, in college. Uh, and the, the professor asked if you were, if you were given the choice to have your memory wiped and be put into a simulation where you could choose what the rest of your life would be, but it wouldn't be real. Would you do it? And you'd be taken care of and you'd be fed and everything. Uh, do you have a, do you have, what would you do Noah in that situation? I mean, here's the thing. Uh-huh. I'd probably do it <laughs> because like, I don't entirely know that, my reality is happening anyways. Exactly. <laughs> I was the I was the philosophy douche bad, bad kid in class who I was like, yep, because I might be a brain in a jar already. Because, yeah, because whatever I'm experiencing is my world. And mm-hmm. and in theory, I assume in this as and if we're using this to not if we're not fully dive diverging, if we're staying a little on topic, <laughs> Mountania. Uh-huh. Uh, which th- I'm mm-hmm. glad that name has stuck. I hate it so much. Uh, doesn't want people to know that they're hallucinating. It's not like you're aware that you're hallucinating. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Or I guess you're kind of I guess the people become aware. But I think you could you could live in blissful ignorance of that. And if I know I'm yeah. hallucinating, it might be a little different. But if I don't know or if I just like yeah. conveniently choose to ignore that. I'm about well, here's it. The thing that, here's the thing that changed my answer over time and proves how terrible of a person you are is that now I have a wife. I'm just like I would be willfully well, yeah. leaving my wife behind. Yeah, there's to, there's that there's that whole business too. And like 
and like the the state of the universe and planet and all those things that's that's actually one of my favorite uh theories for why we haven't met intelligent life is because humanity will uh before getting the uh technology to travel through the universe they will get the technology to just have really fucking good simulations and then (laughs) everyone will just live in simulations instead because why the fuck would you be out in the universe uh and you know what that's why second life is why we haven't (laughs) gone to mars yet <laughs> you you want to know my theory as to why we haven't uh met intelligent life because intelligent mm-hmm. life is too busy watching the open circuit that's a transition oh, fuck and listen yeah. to this podcast all right. all right uh your turn yeah so uh, once again we have a non-sequitur transition uh we see a masked man saying no fucking way you had an abortion without telling me um and he's talking to uh, a superhero woman clad in pink with a like like uh uh like <laughs> chest gap that's shaped like a heart and in mm-hmm. v- very kind of uh sexualized clothing um very power girl yeah yeah exactly very power girl um and she says we'd only been dating six months what was i supposed to do slip chat slip jack and then we get a kazakh's sound kazakh's sound effect yeah. and we see these characters feet uh and we're looking in on a mostly empty theater uh with marco looking very ponderously and a mummy yelling (laughs) killer off already and a couple other people and then we see marco uh reaches around his head and we see he's in like wearing basically a an oculus rift um and pulls it off uh and says uh, it's certainly loud, but I'm not sure I understood the subtext. Um, and Alana explains that this is basically just like cheap melodrama, uh, but that she once considered uh, running away and joining the circuit and becoming an actor. And uh, Marco says, you should do it. Um, and uh then he, he's he got this great quote, better actors than more soldiers, which is nice, mm-hmm. uh, to which Alana says, then you've never dated an actor. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we uh, we kind of end with um, end the scene with a nice image of Marco and Alana looking down at Hazel and deciding that, hey, maybe Alana should try out this acting thing to to support Hazel. Mm hmm. This is gosh, I, I like this scene a lot. Uh, I'm I'm so seen a lot. I'm so fired up that that where we've been introduced to the open circuit. I love Mm. the open circuit. I'm so about the open circuit. (laughs) So so first of all, I love that it it is Brian K. Vaughn so smart about transitions in that uh, in that they are only jarring and confusing when what is happening is jarring and confusing no matter what. Yeah, like they're not jarring and confusing uh, transitions when we're going to Mountania, uh, but they are when it's just like throwing us when it's like that opening splash level of just throwing us into the deep end of this already absurd thing that we don't recognize anyway. And so it's just like, let's go as crazy with it as possible. But, but uh, did you notice the the setting for this argument between these two superheroes? I actually didn't. It looks like it's just like an office. Yeah, it's just an office space. And it's two superheroes arguing about an abortion. 
<laughs> I, and, yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, so already we're getting our a, a taste of what the open circuit is, and it appears to be cheap daytime TV, but with superheroes. <laughs> and it seems like Slipjack is shooting lasers out of his eyes in the second panel. Yeah, yeah. And they do point out... Uh, that we kind of glossed over is the fact that the uh the closed circuit is uh is or is it open circuit which one is it open circuit open circuit open circuit uh the open circuit is uh is sort of illegal uh they they specifically have like that's why people are wearing masks uh is because they're not supposed to be doing this and they move around a lot uh they're referred to as carnies by Alana at one point, uh, but they move around a lot because the capital C sensors are trying to shut them down. Uh, yeah, but it is not illegal to watch it. It's just illegal to to produce it. Uh, we just the world building. We get uh, we're, we're introduced to yet another aspect of Saga's world. And once again, it is just fucking fascinating. I also love that it's like virtual reality but you're not like immersed in the story you're sitting in a theater watching it in virtual reality um Mm -hmm. which is also just like great and in this theater with marco there's a straight up mummy um uh but then there's also a member of a member of upshur's race wearing just wearing little mermaid uh seashell bra yeah yeah uh but how, how, like, let's just take a moment to appreciate how fucking phenomenal the world building in uh, in Saga is that we can introduce just a straight up mummy. <laughs> We've had no <laughs> horror icons as of yet in this series. It is just a dude who's a mummy watching a soap opera yelling at the, <laughs> the actors and you see that and you're like oh, okay yep that's a mummy and it's just, immediately it's just like yeah of course obviously what fucking good on them like we've been analyzing this to death i still don't know how they managed to pull that specific thing off because it's fantastic i also just love the look on marco's face with like his arms are crossed he's got a hand uh-huh. on his chin just like Imagine making that face when you're watching like the real housewives or something like that. I love it, especially that that line, but I'm not sure I understood the subtext. I love yeah. that he's just he's been exposed to so few like shitty yeah. pieces of entertainment that he just assumes that everything is secretly brilliant like a nighttime smoke is. Yeah, it, it's also just so true to Marco's character that yeah. the way he consumes art is to just like try to figure out the subtextual message and he doesn't just like watch and enjoy stuff. Right. Oh, it's great. He's the best. Uh, that's a good scene. And now we get some trademarked Hazel transitional narration. Some HTN. Classic. Or THN. HTN. Noah, don't fuck this up. <laughs> HTN. We're so close. To, we're down to one and a half stars right now, Noah. <laughs> uh, so, I feel like this so... guy is going to feel really called out. <laughs> thank you so much for he said nothing but great things except for that one thing it was a sincere criticism of the show (laughs) being such dicks about it (laughs) thank you for your support thank you for listening Uh, i understand if your next review is three stars
<laughs> or five stars. We're giving you a lot of airtime here, man. Uh, so, so with no the, shout the, outs to their actual name, uh, which is I don't know if that's a disservice or protection at this point. Um, but we get the HTN of after years of pitch battles, uh, my father was ready for a significantly less stressful career. And then we get the transition to, unfortunately, he decided to, to try raising a girl, and we get Sophie stepping on the Will's neck as he bleeds out. Uh, and then Gwendolyn and Lion Cat come in, uh, very surprised at what they're seeing. Lion Cat immediately uh, freaks out and jumps at Sophie uh, to protect the Will. Uh, Gwendolyn yells at lion cat not to do that grabs her staff and hits lion cat off of sophie uh sophie is just repeating frantically can't leave here can't leave here can't and uh and <laughs> gwendolyn just grabs her arm and knocks the knife out of it and says shut up uh and explains to lion cat that she's been poisoned and she ties her up with some with some green cord uh and says that says to lion cat that they need they need to they're too far from an emergency room they need to get a, a healing spell done on the will to save his life and the uh and she can't do it but her ex-boyfriend can uh and so their best bet is uh is going and finding marco to to have him grant a healing spell on the guy that's trying to hunt them down uh and uh and she ends it with i swear and there's a very a very like begrudging and sad lying cat that's disappointed that she's not lying another scene with great movement great fiona mm -hmm. staples action uh mm -hmm. really like it it just lends itself so well to reading this action and feeling it i like the kind of lying cat sounds throughout and especially the one kind of rar that uh goes or two rars one on each uh kind mm -hmm. of page that go through the gutters yeah yeah as like transitional uh yeah which yeah really keeps it moving and also pay attention to the the lines between the panels and the shapes of the panels and how everything is sort of at an angle is uh, yeah is off kilter during the the sequence and then once things start to calm down the panels literally calm down and even out again which is fantastic fiona staples does that a ton and it's great it like mm -hmm. it's it's such a simple thing that is so easy to miss but just kind yeah. of subconsciously affects the way you read mm -hmm. yeah also, can we talk about how fucking hilarious this transition is? <laughs> he decided to try raising a girl, and it's a girl murdering her her father figure. And the the look on Sophie's face, like when we pull out and see her face. Yeah, just that's that is such a stomping face. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I just one other thing I want to just appreciate about this scene because that that. Uh, the last panel with Lion Cat's uh, expression is is it's just so expressive and so great and perfect. Great acting by Lion Cat. Good yeah, job. and just one of those things that just like it's so fucking good that it it, it I no longer take for granted how perfect everything about this book is, and it pulls me out far enough to be like, holy shit, this is such a great book. And then what I did was I went back and looked at uh, for those of you at home. I, I a fun little exercise you can do. Go back and look at issue one 
which is not that far off from this. We're only on issue 16. Look at issue one and look at just the, the, uh, just increase in quality of the art and how much cleaner oh, wow. it is and how much clearer it is. Yeah. It's night and day at this point. And that art was already fucking amazing. And it's just like Fiona Staples is just getting better and better as the series goes on. And it's wow. So yeah. Going back and looking at this. Wow. It's like, yeah, way like way rougher. It's interesting. It's like it's like trying to play Skyrim now. <laughs> it's just like, how did I do this? No, it's still it's still like it's crazy because that first issue is still better than all books. <laughs> But it's yeah. just like it just becomes so polished and so pristine and fantastic. I love it. All right. Last scene. Yep. Oh, you get to take this one. We get some uh, Hazel narration. I don't know if this counts as uh, THN, though, because it doesn't start on the previous H-T-N. page. THN. Noah. <laughs> Noah. It's so important that you get this correct. HTN. <laughs> We're we're down to a measly four point eight right now. No, I need this to be the best episode ever. You're killing me. HTN editing that out. Go ahead. All right, Hazel says later that evening, my parents and I slept while the couple actually planning my future conspired, and we see Heist and Clara making sandwiches and drinking uh, together. And we see that they're kind of uh, they were hoping to push Alana into the open circuit and they kind of conspired this. And then Heist says there's always money in conflict, talking about kind of the the drama there, uh, which kind of surprises Clara. But then uh, Heist clarifies, I abhor real violence, but fake violence is fucking brilliant. Um (laughs) And then that launches into a really interesting debate uh, that they have where Clara says that fake violence doesn't capture the glory of war, which is usually you're used to kind of the it doesn't capture the terror of war. Right. And then she says, isn't there something uh, beautiful about defending your homeland? Uh, And and Heist says, it's just dirt. If someone's going to kill me, I'm going to run. Uh, and Clara says, uh, and then when they keep on you like hounds, when they drive you to the very cliffs, where do you run then, Oswald? And Oswald runs upstairs uh, <laughs> and says, I'm going to find you a copy of that book that they were talking about. And then uh, Hazel pops out of a couch. Not Hazel. Wow, that's a. <laughs> and then Isabel pops out of a couch. Um, Man, we really are a 4.8 star podcast, aren't we? <laughs> Hey, you fixed that. You now. fixed that one in post. I've reached acceptance in the, in the <laughs> grieving process. Um, uh, and Hazel says uh, he's completely into you. To which Clara says, "I'm not blind, Wraith." Um, and Hazel asks, <laughs> kind of. Hazel kind of encourages Clara that she could uh, pursue heist, um, even though she is recently widowed. Uh, and then, just as she's just as Clara's kind of coming around. Uh, Heist runs down and says, both of you hide. There's something coming this way. And we get, I guess you already know what happens next from Hazel. Prince Robot 4 finally rolls into town. And we see Prince Robot walking like a absolute fucking badass. We see (laughs) Goose and Frendo in the background. uh, And Prince Robot is calling his wife 
and we cut back to her, see that she's being helped by alligator maids um, and going to a ball. He says he's headed into something unpredictable. Um, and he says that he had a dream about their unborn child. Um, and they were staying in a little cabin by the sea. And then the call fails. We cut back to we see uh, binoculars uh, watching robot walk. And then we turn and our ending splash. Who is it that's behind those binoculars? It's Gwendolyn wearing the Will's cape with the yes. quarterstaff. Just yeah. fucking. Ah! It's so good. <laughs> and his fucking utility belt, too, which is yeah. Bad. Yeah. Uh, That's and, a close expense. And oh, what's have... that? What's that? HTN, but H H N or H H C N H C N Hazel closing like narration. Yep. <laughs> After that, things got action packed. Fuck yeah, yeah, they did. We know what's happening. We know what's coming. <laughs> you know what this reminds me of? What? Did you ever notice that thing at the end, the end of Empire Strikes Back? Uh, oh, after, where, yeah, yeah, where Lando, after, Lando's wearing Han's clothes. After fucking, after Han's been kidnapped and they have a whole plan to go save him, they have Lando <laughs> driving the Millennium Falcon and he's wearing Han Solo's outfit for some totally unexplained and nonsense reason. And I fucking love it. Uh, but yeah, I love this is just a badass version of that and not total nonsense. Yeah, yeah th that is completely. <laughs> but I mean, the thing is. Yeah, no, I, I was going to say this is different, but it's really not that different. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no, no. It, it I guess we know sense. the cape provides protection. Yeah, no, the cape. That's the that's the logic in my mind. She's wearing the utility belt. So she has like the lance and all her his he had like a bomb or whatever in the first issue. Uh, and the cape is bulletproof and stuff. So it makes sense that she's she's wearing this and it just but it just looks so badass. It's yeah, she's standing on she's standing on a cliff. Her cape is billowing lying cats there. <laughs> I was just going to say it's crazy that this is only five pages that this last scene because there is just it's so much that. Happens. Yeah. It's yeah. So well done. It's it's. Uh, shit's shit's about to hit the fan and 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 vaughn and staples make it very clear that he, he that that's happening mm -hmm. I, I i think the uh bef before we finish up and talk about the end though i think there's a really interesting discussion here too about kind of war and the nature of war and it's it's interesting because i think that uh brian k vaughn is kind of giving some compelling counter arguments to the to the pacifistic message that uh has dominated the the series so far yeah no it's it this is it actually there there's kind of two arguments that go unaddressed here because uh heist says first the first one is that heist says that uh that real violence is awful but fake violence is fucking amazing <laughs> Uh, and that doesn't necessarily get justified uh, by him. Uh, but I guess it's kind of getting justified by the book itself. <laughs> the book is making that argument. Uh, but yeah, and then there's that amazing, uh, amazingly complex uh, argument that uh, that Clara is making here that what happens is war acceptable when you when it is it seems like it's the only thing you can do to survive. Yeah. And just sort of gets untreated here. I, I find this super I've, I've always just found this such a compelling topic because I mm -hmm. kind of 
like I generally like to believe in pacifism, but mm -hmm. it's it's so impractical some of the time. It feels like how can right. you actually be a pacifist, right? Yeah. Uh, and and I think this is this is we're getting into that a little bit, and I'm 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 here for it. I'm very happy about that. Yeah, and at that point, you can even this is like high end philosophical stuff where you can get into stuff with like Gandhi and with MLK and yeah. stuff like that yeah. about pacifism. Uh, and it is it is a very layered and very complex argument. And I just I love that he brings it up here, and there's none of that like. Uh, like, well, it's okay for creators to do it, but just don't yeah. do it and not give a like. I like that he's just openly asking this question without a without a resolution, and in a way, it's almost like a teaser for the series too. Yeah, when the absolutely. series has been consistently about the the shitty things about war, and then it raises this very very valid question of, but is war justified ever? And I hope we get into it. I'm that's not a spoiler. I sincerely just hope yeah. we get into that. And and then we get this just like another brilliant conversation between Isabel and Clara talking mm. about like her saying that she should that Clara should pursue heist. And like Isabel is kind of always the voice of reason in these things. And what I love here is Clara kind of has this how old are you reaction to Isabel and Isabel uh -huh. kind of smirks uh -huh. that 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 reminds me of one of my favorite uh books ever that reminds me of the ocean at the end of the lane uh mm -hmm. ha have you read it yeah 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 it reminds me of the, the moment where the narrator asks letty hempstock how old she is and she says 11 and then he asks how long have you been 11 right right and 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 it's that kind of that kind of like ageless but still with a level of innocence yeah yeah and also i just i like that like we've get we've gotten a couple of hints that you know just to, to isabel's uh forced maturity too because first yeah. of all she's dead and she was killed by war <laughs> and there like she was she was at the center of a war at some point and there are there's some maturity that comes with that in the fact that she learned the alphabet from a gorilla yeah. handbook <laughs> Uh, and yeah, and I, I love that. Like there is also like, it's in a sense, it's implying that, you know, she's been a ghost for a while, but also it's just implying that like, even though she's young, she still knows shit. <laughs> she knows shit. That yeah. doesn't disqualify her from being wise. And then after all of that, Prince Robot arrives and just like, yes, it's, such a I mean this isn't even really the payoff I guess this is all still build up but it's like so satisfying sitting on that cliffhanger that ended the last one for so long and then like like knowing it's coming and turning the page and seeing not only is robot there Gwendolyn and Lion Cat are too and just like oh mm -hmm. I, I don't even have words for how how fucking hype this makes me. Yeah, especially since like you in your mind at this point, you think you kind of know how it's going to go down. But there's clearly this extra chess piece in there that's going to fuck shit up. Uh, but I love the like the foreboding march that's scoring that. Oh, first my panel God. I know robot there in my mind. I, I I'm going to spoil uh, ahead oh, of this podcast. <laughs> I didn't even mean to do that. I'm going to I'm going to jump ahead to before we do before we do the official uh song of the week. 
Mm-hmm. Um, like, I just need to say that Prince Robot walking in here is battle without honor or humanity. Okay, okay. I'll take it. Uh, mine is uh, walk this way. <laughs> <laughs> These boots like, are made for walking. It just like 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 the the slow mo walk with him, and just like the the swagger that he has. Oh, God, I, I'm trying to think of like yeah, what is a few things that are that are coming to mind, like the fucking uh, one winged angel from. <laughs> Final Fantasy, the Sephiroth <laughs> song is very like, and something that is just terrifying and foreboding. Also, one of the one of the, um, in my mind, one of the biggest redeeming qualities about uh, Batman versus Superman was uh, Hans Zimmer's uh, uh, Lex Luthor score had this like pounding classical piano, super forebo- foreboding shit, and that would be a a good one for this. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna say that's my song of the week. Hey, we just did song of the week. Whatever, right. whatever uh, Lex Luthor's score was in Batman vs Superman, uh, but yeah, no. Also, I just love how that's uh, juxtaposed with uh, the the alligators uh, dressing the princess here. Two things I love about this panel. First of all, did you notice what's on her her screen here? I did not. It looks like a bar graph. It, it, it's it, they're losing they're losing contact and it's the uh, it's the reception bars oh. that's lowering. <laughs> it's fantastic, uh, and also I just love the such a cartoonish face on the left alligator. This open mouth, yeah, like just excitement. Uh, which these look more like crocodiles than alligators. I don't know, but uh, I don't but know the difference. I'm from Florida, so I do know. <laughs> That's <laughs> the one thing I know is well. Here's the thing: this this is so specific for me because I know I know alligators and I know uh, Disney, and I love that that cartoony face there gives us such a <laughs> Cinderella getting dressed by mice feeling. Yeah, like it gives it the the it gives it such emotion. Like this feels like you know she's twirling around and like. Uh, and it's this frantic scene happening yeah. here. And it's a really sharp juxtaposition mm-hmm. between like even like the bright colors of that and just this calm Vancouver landscape of quietus. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't stress enough. That's what it looks like out my window right now. <laughs> uh, I, I and I, I fucking love the uh, again, not spoiling here. This is me reading this, just reading this fucking issue. Uh, I love that that vague thing that Prince Robot says that gets cut off about the dream he had. Yeah, is such a classic tropey sort of famous last words thing, which just ranks like cranks up the uh, the the. Uh, anxiety going into this scene so much for me of just like it, it's sort of that I mean it feels like that semi profound whatever the last words of bar uh, yeah were yeah where it's just like it seems like there's meaning to this and it's and his it's his you know call to his loved one so I am very much on edge going into this next issue uh, for the the safety of Prince Robot here because that is foreboding as all fuck. And we are going Ugh. super long on this issue. It's it's a great issue, and we're probably going to go long on next issue too because next issue is yeah. amazing. Yeah, 
and a guest that always yeah. adds, uh, has a yeah. few things to it. Uh, but yeah, so what's your what's your favorite moment for this one? Oh God, it's so tough. Um, yeah, I really want to say I I no, I'm gonna. I'm going to just say it's Prince Robot's arrival. That's it. It's fucking good. That that's the moment where it's just like the we've been through so much. Mm-hmm. The the payoff is coming and it he looks so cool as he's doing mm-hmm. it like it's shit's shit's going down. Yep. I I'm I'm going to have to go with uh Rhododendron. I love the whole kids yeah. book thing and that revelation and me actually being sold on the idea that kids books are fucking brilliant here. Uh, that is fantastic. That was that was my other and and also velour. I mean, yeah, yeah, no, that's a great that's a great reveal. That's a great everything. And hey, Noah. Yeah, let's listen to some speaking of great songs like Walk This Way. Let's listen to oh, a really good song here. Man, what a good okay. song. Yep. Yep. Right. Yep. Question of the week. Do you have one? I actually don't. I think what? this is two weeks in a row. I don't have <laughs> I think one. It's eight weeks in a row. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I will have you know that when I do have questions in the week, I just dump four at once into the same episode. <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll... Okay. I've got one now. <laughs> nope. Too late. Uh, so my question, do you have a, do you have a question? That is worth um, asking, Noah. We, this needs to be... We're aiming for a 4.9 star question here, Noah. We're, we're ratcheting it up a bit. Um, all right. How does one reconcile a pacifistic ideology nope. with the violent nature of the world? Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> well... <laughs> And, and and your question, John, is it going to be who's Uncle Steve? I hate that. We, we always we always come in with these like big fucking things and no one wants to fucking answer them because you don't reconcile that. Uh, I was going to ask, what's your favorite illustrated children's book? So, you know, pretty much the same question. So there's your two questions of the week. We're going out strong on this one. Uh, Noah, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on YouTube at Polyphonic. You can find me on Instagram at Watch Polyphonic. You can find me on Twitter at Watch Polyphonic. And you can go to Nebula, which is my streaming service. Um, well, not mine. You already said it. But it's it's a streaming service that I'm part of and I helped found. Um, and I've got a new thing here on there where it's it's kind of something that people have been asking me to do since I started the channel uh and I finally started it it's a uh track by track uh take on dark side of the moon yes i've been waiting for this one forever so the first one's out go go check it out nice loving it uh yeah and what are you a, i have a i have a subscription to nebula by the way you have a subscription i have a subscription to nebula by the way and it's fantastic i enjoy having oh that's it. awesome worth it and just it feels nice to support people so yeah do that uh speaking of supporting people go check out uh patreon.com slash make stuff studios uh we've had we've been i've been jumping back into the podcast on there too we just i had uh, i interviewed my friend the lone chemist he might have you might have seen his video about uh what makes thanos such a good villain 
on YouTube. That one was big. Uh, interviewed him. I just did one. I have a couple interviews with Noah on there. I just did one talking about uh, my experience with depression because I want to be uh, a bit more open about that. I haven't been, I've made comics about it and stuff, but I've never really talked about it on Make Stuff. So getting into that and that's it. That's going live. Uh, it's been live for you folks. Uh, but yeah, check out. And then also you get, you get, you support the podcast too. You support stuff. It's great. Also, can we just talk about once again mm-hmm. follow at wash polyphonic please follow at Twitter. wash polyphonic up to three. it's up to 11 followers <laughs> and up to three tweets too <laughs> some classics on there uh so yeah that's that's good stuff and the instagram you know we're like one or two away from hitting 100 followers on the instagram and i've been i'm um, starting to post some of the animations i do for the youtube videos on there and they look cool oh i should follow please do what's the instagram uh, it's at Horns and Wings Pod, I believe. Thank you for asking that, because I should have mentioned it. There we go. I was our 99th follower, nice. and maybe I should just follow with my Polyphonic account, and we'll have a cool, um, uh, deprived 100. joy from someone else. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's 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 good shit. Uh, and of course, as always, thank you to Fiona Staples, Brian K. Vaughn, Phonographics and Image Comics for making seriously such a good book and go answer the question of the week and noah reluctantly i'm gonna let you close this one out well when faced with the difficulties of a violent world sometimes we need to look deep inside and ask am i shitting this truly was the best episode ever (laughs) bye (laughs)